0: Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Have you ever gotten so caught up in the chaotic rush of your day, your week, your month, in the busy, busy doing of life that you fail to pause, look around, and choose, intentionally choose how you are spending your time and energy, how you are spending your one wild and precious life? If you want 2022 to be the year you focus on what matters most to you, stick around. We have a fantastic show. Productivity expert and best-selling author and podcaster, Tanya Dalton, joins me to share ideas from her newest book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. Get ready to reclaim your time, make a bigger impact, and be fully present in your personal life. And I'm excited to announce that Tanya's book, On Purpose, is kicking off a virtual book club for a certain age. Want to join the club? Buy the book at the A Certain Age bookshop over on indiebooksellerbookshop.org or wherever you buy books. And Tanya is joining A Certain Age listeners live for our Zoom book club on January 24th at noon EST, 9 a.m. PST. Join us for this special book event and make 2022 your year. Welcome, Tanya.
1: Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation.
0: I, I am too. I am sure. I love all the materials that I've seen. I've loved all the sneak peeks of the book. I cannot wait to buy it and, and get my hands on it, and and, and kick off um you know the, this month uh, with your work. So you know we're at the start of 2022. If my listeners and myself crack open your book, what can we expect to find? What would it mean to live on purpose in this new year?
1: I like to say living on purpose. Isn't about changing who you are. It's rising up and becoming the best version of you. It's really about living bigger than our to do list. I think so often we're so busy looking down at this crazy long list and we don't really realize that we have the opportunity to look out on the horizon to see this bright, beautiful future ahead of us. So living on purpose is looking out, deciding what it is you want in your life, what that vision looks like for you, and living each and every day. On purpose, moving closer to that ideal vision of what you what it is you dream about.
0: I, I when you, you first of all you had me at moving beyond your to-do list because I was like <laughs> <laughs> I like I am so in. And I was also struck by the word busy in your book title, because I have you know three kids, I have two jobs, one husband, I feel busy. And I just one
1: husband, just one husband. On? <laughs> just sometimes it feels like
0: more, but you know, like you know, one sometimes husband. Sometimes <laughs> it does. <laughs> so you know, we got a lot going on. We, as one of my friends, actually uh, she says she's kind of banned the, the. She calls it the B word. She doesn't like to say busy. She says overly fulfilled. So you know, we're overly fulfilled, and uh, I'm wondering how can we overly fulfilled, busy women begin to challenge uh, ourselves and the way we think about what's possible in our lives.
1: Yeah. Well, I like the sound of your friend because (laughs) I feel like busy is this like badge of honor where it's one of those things where when people ask us, how are you doing or what's going on? We're like, oh, busy. Right. We we answer with busy, which is not an emotion. It's not it's not a conversation starter. It's just a way of justifying that all this craziness, all this chasing our tail is meaningful in some way, shape, or form. And really, busy just means you're running yourself ragged. It doesn't mean you're doing things that truly bring you joy and happiness. But when it came time to come up with a subtitle for this book, you wanted to use the Busy Woman's Guide because I wanted women to identify themselves. I wanted them to say that title and go, oh, that's me. Yes. Because I think so often when it comes to this idea of mindfulness or intentional living, I think that we believe falsely that we don't have the time. We have so much going on. There's no way we can be intentional. And I wanted to really kind of have that juxtaposition of you're a busy woman. You can still live on purpose. You can still do the things you truly desire, the things you truly want to do that fill your cup up, even though you have all these other things going on. And then it's like, what can we really do to make you get some of those things off your plate? right how can we change that so you don't feel like the busy woman instead you feel like the intentional woman
0: that uh that is so uh inspiring i, I want to be the intentional woman so this is this is i'm committing myself to this for 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 2022 so how, how do we get there i like there? that <laughs> well you know that my friend also <laughs> says this too like you can't realize a goal you haven't set so you know mm-hmm. i i want to set the goal of, of um feeling more intentional about how i'm spending my time because you, busy is something that I feel everyone is. It doesn't matter if you are working from home. It doesn't matter if you're retired, if you're managing kids, if you're managing, you know, empty nests, you know, if you're managing aging parents. You know, the, we live today in a world where we always have a lot going on. So how do we use the tools in your book to narrow our focus so we can really prioritize the things that truly matter to us?
1: Well, I think in today's world, there's almost this obligation to be busy, that if we're not busy, we are somehow failing. You know, have you ever had a time where you have like 15, 20 minutes to yourself and everything is done and you feel like, oh, wait, something's wrong. Yes. <laughs> Something <laughs> cannot be right because there's no way that I can have nothing to do for the next 15 minutes. Or you feel it's, guilty.
0: You feel guilty. Like You feel
1: guilty. Like yeah. I'm, I'm laying like, on the oh. sofa.
0: I'm not like doing things.
1: Yes. And we feel like doing is what we need to do to earn our happiness. And the truth is, you don't have to earn happiness. Happiness is your birthright. You're allowed to feel happy. You're allowed to feel joy. You're allowed to choose how you spend your time. And doing nothing at times, very intentionally, is a great way to really make that happen. But we do. We feel really guilty. I feel like, especially for those of of you who are moms, I feel like they hand you your baby Right after you've birthed it, along with this giant sack full of mom guilt where it's like, you gotta keep going, you gotta always make sure you're entertaining your kids, you have to always make sure you're putting your kids first. And there's a lot of guilt that's built in our society about who we are as women and what should be fulfilling to us. Yes. And you know, it's okay not to be a hundred percent fulfilled by motherhood. It's okay to be a hundred percent fulfilled by motherhood. Both are okay, but it makes it really hard. Especially as you're transitioning out of being in the trenches, right? Which is how with the the point in my life where I am at my age, and certainly with a lot of your listeners that you're speaking to, which I love, there's this whole shifting of, well, wait, who am I? And what does this possibly look like if I'm not defined by motherhood or whatever it is I've done in the first part of my life? We're not even gonna call it the first half necessarily, but the first. Part of my life, I've identified myself so strongly to that. How do I let go of that and shift into something different and new? And is that wrong?
0: Right, so and I supplies... think the first
1: thing is... Go
0: ahead. Yeah, I'm go sorry. Ahead. I cut you off. No, the first thing is what? Because now I'm, I'm hanging out every word.
1: I want to know what the first thing <laughs> is. <laughs> well, I think the first thing is, is can we stop using the word guilt? Can we stop letting guilt be this thing that we just assume is part of everyday life? I think we just accept it as this is just the way life is. I feel bad about myself. I feel guilty. Humans are the only animals that experience Guilt. If a leopard goes after an antelope and it misses it, it doesn't slink away and feel terrible about itself <laughs> and beat itself up for a week and a half, right? It's not in a shame spiral. Right.
0: It's spiral not in a shame spiral about it. It's inadequate. no shame
1: spiral. It's just us as humans and especially us as women, where we we have this diatribe going on in our brains about what it it means to be, you know, to play a role in our society. And I think so often we think of ourselves as givers and we give and we give and we give and we feel so guilty getting, right? Or receiving. We have a hard time even receiving compliments. So I really think the first thing is is to to stop and really reflect. The first section of the book is reflection because I think it's so important to take that intentional pause and start to ask yourself and figure out who am I? What do I look like? If I'm stepping into something different or something, you know, that's outside of what I have always done, who am I? Why do I want these things? And so it is stopping and asking yourself those questions, diving into, I like to say, before we started adulting, before that cloak of adulthood came on us, like this heavy hood where we felt like we had to worry about paying the mortgage or the rent or all those things. Who did you want to be? Let's dive into those things and start figuring out who you are, so that you do know what that future looks like for you, who you want to be in moving forward. This is
0: so important for a lot of my listeners too, because a lot of uh, women who you know tune into the show, they share that they're at a transition point. You know, not just with an empty nest, but with um, perhaps in their career. You know, maybe they've mm-hmm. worked somewhere for a long time and they start to feel pushed out. You know, as they as they age and and, and younger people come up, or they they have had a great career and they're looking around and thinking, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this. Like, you know, is this is there an opportunity for something new? So I do see that there are a lot of people, but it's hard to let go of something where you've built up all this social capital and equity, even if it no longer works for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I think those 30 under 30 lists, those are great. But could we start having some 40 over 40 lists or 50 over 50? I think there's this whole belief in our society that if you don't have it all figured out by the time you're 25, it's too late, right? Like, up, oh, it's done. The ship has sailed. You can't, you can't do something different or new because we're afraid of looking dumb. We're afraid of not knowing the things or we're afraid that, you know, what is that going to look like to everybody else? There is so much of fear of what are other people going to think or what is this going to look like for me that it holds us back. When in truth, when we step into something that is brand new, that is different for us, we have this opportunity. We don't even know what's possible, right? So we we explore all the avenues. So many people didn't even start their lives until they were 40 or 50 years old. You know, Julia Child didn't even know how to chop up onions until she was 40 <laughs> years old. Uh, I mean, like, there are so many people. Vera Wang hadn't sewn a, a wedding dress till she was 40 years old. I know for me, I closed my first business, opened up Inkwell Press Productivity Coat when I was 40 years old. A and it's like a runway
0: success. Like, you have all of these amazing calendars and productivity uh, products and tools and courses, you know, beyond your, your books. And I, I want to hear all about these in a few minutes. I also wanna talk a little bit about what you call the three A's model, which helps people get back on track towards their life goals. Uh, I'm excited to explore that. We're gonna do that right after this very quick break. Happy January, beauties. I don't know about you, but the minute the New Year's Eve ball drops, I am all in on a fresh start ready to shake off that holiday excess and prioritize sleep, exercise, and self-care. For me, self-care is yoga an early bedtime, reading and long walks by the water. My 2022 resolutions are pretty simple more hot yoga and more hot baths, because my bath routine is getting an upgrade thanks to our friends at Kindra. You've heard me talk about Kindra's line of estrogen-free menopause essentials, including supplements for hot flashes and better sleep. But Kindra just released a new product, a soothing bath soap formulated for a boost of hydration and moisture. It's ideal for sensitive dry skin like mine. Plus, it's made with nourishing botanical extracts and without irritating preservatives, soaps, or fragrances that can disrupt the pH balance of intimate skin. You can try Kindra's Bath Soak or any menopause essential for 20% off using my code kd 20 at checkout. Head to OurKindra.com to reinvest in your self-care essentials. Okay, Tanya, we're back. We we've been talking about how sometimes we let go of our goals because we get very busy with our day-to-day and we kind of, you know, get stuck where where we are. What are some of the methods that you cuz you explore several different methods in the book about goal setting, how to get back on track, how to how to set smart goals, you know, or or impact goals versus smart goals. Can you walk us through a little bit of that?
1: Yeah. So, I think this is a thing too. I think so often we feel like You know, goals are everything that you have to set all these goals. And that's the big thing. And the truth is goals are not the goal. Goals are the vehicle to get you to the life you want. Goals are the stepping stones getting you to that big, bright, beautiful future that you dream about. So that's the first thing to recognize and realize is we don't just want to set goals in a vacuum. We don't just want to you know, look around because I think that's the biggest mistake that we make. We look around and we're like, ooh, look at her over here. She's doing amazing things. I should do what she's doing. Or, oh, look at her over here. She's growing this incredible business. I need to set those same goals as she's setting because we're looking around for those metrics of success by looking at what everybody else is doing when we choose to set goals that are aligned with that big, bright, beautiful future we talk about. When they're aligned with getting us to that vision of where we wanna go, that's when goals become more meaningful. That's when we start to feel more motivation and more excitement for our goals so, they naturally are things that we want to work on on a regular basis. And I think that's probably one of the biggest secrets to really understand. And we definitely dive into how do you figure out the right goals for you? And you know, there's not you? a magic this, list. There's not I, a ma- I
0: want a magic list.
1: I, everybody <laughs> wants a magic list. <laughs> but, but there's no, my, my, my list is going to be different than your list. It's going to be different than some of your listeners. Every one of us is going to have u- unique goals based on what it is we want. So what I like to tell people is, and in the book, I I draw this out because I think it's really important to take a lot of these abstract ideas and really make them concrete. I draw it out like a timeline, you know, like when you're in second grade and you did like you are here Mm -hmm. and then in the future. So it looks just like that. So you are here right on the on the left hand side. And then off far to the right is your potential, who you want to be, who you dream you could be 10, 20 years down the road. This is really like what's your legacy, what you want that to be. That's your potential. That's pretty far away. And that feels really daunting. And the idea of setting a goal for that is like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know where to start, right? So if that's your potential, let's back up the timeline. Let's get a little closer to where you are today. If that's your potential in 10 to 15, 20 years, what is possible in three to five years? What could you do possibly to get you closer to that potential in the next three to five years? So we're getting closer, but that's still pretty far away, right? We're gonna back up our timeline a little bit more. So we have our potential, 10 to 20 years. Then what's possible in three to five? What's practical in 12 months or 18 months? What could you do practically in the next year, year and a half? You see how we're getting closer yes. to where you are today?
0: It feels more manageable. But still,
1: it feels more manageable, but let's let's go even closer. If this is what's if this is what's practical in the next 12 to 18 months. What do I need to prioritize? What are my priorities in the next three months, the next six months, the next nine months? Those priorities, those are your goals. You see how they're aligned? They're getting you to that first landmark of your practical landmark of what's practical in the next 12 uh, 12 to 18 months. Then that leads you to that possible landmark that we created, getting you to your potential. That's how you start with that big vision and back it up, back it up, back it up, and make it where it's like, oh, this is what I need to focus on for the next three months to get me to that big, beautiful future that I can do. And that's really one of the things that makes life feel so much easier is it's that simplicity, making it achievable, making it bite sized where it's like, oh, I can easily do that.
0: Tanya, I can see why your podcast is so phenomenally popular, because I feel like I could listen to you talk about this every morning. Like, I need you to tell me every morning <laughs> <laughs> that if I just remember to focus on my priorities, I'm going to get where I want to go. Because you do, you need that reinforcement. You know, part of me feels like I I could know this, but I, I just need that hand-holding. But again, you you actually share some fascinating brain research in the book that explains why we have a hard time maybe investing or believing in our future selves and, and, and really doing the things that we need to do that you just outlined. Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: Oh, yeah. I love to nerd out just a little bit into <laughs> your brain research. I love brain research. And here's why I love it. I feel like we hear research about this is how your brain works. And we go, Oh, okay. So I'm totally normal. (laughs) right?" Right? This is why my brain does this. Like I'm not alone. I'm not a weirdo or a freak. This is totally how my brain works. And when we understand how our brain works, we can change it. We can shift it. We can choose to tweak how it's working. So what I think is really fascinating is we, there is this disconnect in who we are today versus who we are in the future. And One of my favorite studies is this study where they they do an FMRI study, which is basically a machine that watches the brain to see which areas light up. So when the participants of the study would talk about themselves in the the present tense in today, a certain area of their brain would light up like a Christmas tree and it lights up. And then the, the researchers would say, "Okay, talk about yourself in the future. So, the future could be three years from now, could be three months from now, could be three hours from now. But when the participants spoke about themselves in the future, a very different area of the brain would light up. So, very different than the area where they talked about themselves today. Here's what's most fascinating when those same participants would talk about Natalie Portman or Matt Damon, that same area of their brain would light up as did when they talked about their future self. So, in other words, to your brain, You in the future is not you. It's some stranger that looks like you and talks like you and has the same name as you, but isn't really you. Your brain is wired for survival, which means it's really focused on today. And it doesn't care about what's happening in the future. It just cares about, can we make it through today? Can we breathe in and out and make it alive past the saber tooth tiger, right? This is our caveman brain. Or this
0: is why so we, we eat the chocolate that. cake when it's right in front of us, because we can't like picture summer bathing suits. We're like, I am like, right. excited about what's we, right in front of me. It's
1: so far I don't care. I want the chocolate cake, right? right? This is why we have a hard time investing in our 401k as well. Yes. You know, another study they did was feel bad. how much people <laughs> wanted to put away for their 401k, and the amount would change based off whether they just made the uh, the investment looking in a mirror, looking at themselves today, versus looking at an age-progressed picture of themselves. When you look at an age-progressed picture of yourself, you will save more money for your 401k.
0: This is so we can so fascinating. Totally our brain,
1: right? Like we can take a picture of you in the summer. And post that in front of the chocolate cake. So you remember, oh, that's what I'm going to look like in the future. <laughs> or we can take our picture and superimpose it off somebody crossing a finish line of a marathon if you want to run a marathon. Yes. Or, you know, on there's all kinds of age progressing filters that we can find for free online. Age progress some pictures of yourself to really think about when you're investing in yourself and in your future. So it's fascinating when you understand this is why I have struggled in the past. This is why I choose the cookie over the carrot time right. and time again. And that's okay. This is how my brain works. Now that I know it, I can change it. See the power in that? Yes. I think it's really incredible.
0: No, you do have to recognize things to um to understand how to react to them because otherwise you're just your brain lies to you a lot, I think. It's like this is how it is and how it'll oh, always yes. be. And you know, don't get me wrong, I like my brain, but like we have a nice relationship. But I do feel that it can tell you things that aren't always true or that it has to be this way or it's always been that way or that's too hard. And sometimes if you say to yourself, well, why not be, you know, why not something different? Then you could really, you have to, you have to push yourself. Um, So is this why you say in the book that willpower and discipline are overrated? Because, you know, if, Ex- explain that a little bit more, because I, I, I'm thinking about the chocolate cake. So, I mean, we,
1: sometimes we think that we <laughs> well, don't... Now I need to get a piece of chocolate cake, so thanks I for know. that. We're gonna, you
0: know, <laughs> as my stomach's actually rumbling, which is why I'm focused on chocolate cakes. I had, like, too tiny tani- a lunch too long ago. But I am thinking, honestly, that um, I, I just sort of lost the train of my thought. But I think about the, you know, how we realize our goals, and sometimes we can feel down on ourselves because we think, like, oh, if I only had more discipline... You know, if I only oh, yeah. had greater willpower, then then X would be happening. And we we seed too much power to will will you know power and discipline. Like, oh, you know, that's I, I don't have that, so therefore, you know, X can't happen. And that's not really true. Like, I think we have to recognize that we have more agency over our decisions, you know, than 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 we think. Well, is that what you were t- tell me about that? Tell me about what you think. Oh
1: yeah. Well, first of all, our brain loves patterns. It loves patterns. Like if I said red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, you said blue in your head, right? right?
0: Of course you said
1: it because your brain is like, Oh, I know what's coming next. And that helps keep our brain safe. that, That protects us. It reminds our brain not to touch the fire because one time we touched the fire, we got burned. Now we know right so our brain is constantly shortcutting so that it can make decisions really quickly it has to make a lot of decisions it has to make your heartbeat it's got to make your lungs breathe it's got to do all those things it's got to make you you know jerk your foot up when you step barefoot on a lego you yes. don't want to think about it it just does it automatically yes so our brain loves these patterns and we do we get into this this pattern of this is just the way life is this is just how it is one day when i retire then i can be happy one day when the kids are out of school, then I can finally do the things I want to do. We get into this pattern of belief. And what happens is we need to break those patterns. And we have the ability to do that. And I think that a lot of times we do want to blame willpower or discipline because we feel like it's this magical thing that we just don't have enough of. And the truth is there is no willpower. There is no discipline. The people that you see in the world who look highly disciplined They just have established these amazing habits that they stack one after the the next. So that way they look really, you know, disciplined. But the truth is, I don't want to be disciplined. That sounds awful. It sounds boring. (laughs) I equate it to, uh, I equate it to white couches. Like I love the idea of a white couch. Like I'm in love with the idea of a white couch. I'll pin pictures all day long on Pinterest of a white couch living room. And it's like this, oh, that sounds amazing. But then I remember I have two kids. We like to have movie night. I have animals in the house, right? I, right. Th- that's impossible. It would be such a nightmare. I'd be constantly cleaning. You it. don't want to maintain it, you, exactly. Right. I, no, I don't want that at all. So what we want to do is instead of thinking I don't have enough willpower, let's build a cycle of self-trust. Because what it is is we don't believe in ourselves. We don't think that we can do those things because we haven't done them before. And so, how do so you build we that start, cycle?
0: That's that's like sounds so yeah. fascinating.
1: Well, if you just start with a tiny action, a little tiny habit, let's say that you feel like you're never going to be organized. Here's a tiny habit you could do. Make your bed. That's going to take you like, what, five minutes? Maybe not even that. Two minutes tops to make your bed. We can habit stack that. Like, like After you brush your teeth, the next thing you do is you're going to make your bed. What you're doing is you're establishing a habit for yourself that you're doing automatically. And this small, tiny action builds your motivation because suddenly Every time you walk in the room, you're like, oh, look how good the bed looks. That's amazing. I I did pretty good today. Three days in a row. Wow. I'm getting pretty organized. Five days in a row. We start to build that motivation, which creates a big win. We get that big win. We get more motivation, which builds more self-trust, which leads to bigger actions. And I think that's the thing. It's really, we get caught up in the giant leaps of life. Like We look at who, where we are now and where we want to go, and it's a giant chasm between those two things. It's like the Grand Canyon. And we feel like what we need to do is we need to build a jet pack so we can zoom across the other side. So we'll spend like 20, 30 years trying to tinker together, build this jet pack to zoom across this, this chasm, right? When in truth, if we just put one foot in front of the other, one small step, one tiny step each day going down the walls of the canyon across and up the other side, we'd be on the other side in no time at all. It's the small actions, the tiny actions that really add up and make the biggest difference. That makes, I
0: feel so motivated right now. I, I I don't even know what I want to do, but I want to get up and do something. <laughs> 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 I, it's so, you know, it's, you made me think of this funny expression that I use sometimes, which is, you, you know how to eat an elephant, don't you? You know, it's like one bite at a time. Yeah. Like the only one way, bite at a time. One bite at a time. Like the only way to get through big things is to is to, to do the small things. And I think sometimes that we want it to be, you know, fast or flashy or, you know, or we, like, to your point, that we see people who seem to have discipline. You know, they've been like running a marathon or they're winning a movie or they wrote a book and and we we see the success at the end and we don't see all the little small steps that they took to get there. And we don't recognize sometimes that we, you know, we too can take those steps. There's nothing standing in our way sometimes. But us. So once you've figured out these, um these sort of your goal and you figured out that these small habit stacking um, you know, practices can help you help you get there. Um, how do you, you know, how do you keep going? Or what happens when you you know, you have a bad day or a bad week and you you sort of fall out? How do you reignite um purpose during yeah. when times are hard?
1: Well I mean the truth is is that you're going to get off track because you know what? You're human. So we, we find ourselves off track from time to time. So in, in the book, I talk about, I have a section of the book called alteration because we're going to have to alter our plans from time to time. You know why? Life yes. because life demands flexibility it demands, grace it, things happen in our world. And we're going to have to shift from time to time. And if you make plans that are so rigid, that they're made of like glass, they're going to shatter. You know, there's a reason why bridges and buildings are made to be flexible, so they can withstand the the winds of a tornado or a hurricane. We need that same flexibility in our planning as well. So I think it's really important to to stop occasionally and do a reflection exercise. For myself, I do it at least every quarter, and in my goal setting planner that I have for Inkwell Press, we have that built in there because it's so important to have an intentional pause. And when you have this pause, we do what I call the three A's. Acknowledge, assess, and adjust. So the first step is you just acknowledge. You go, oh, look, huh, I got off track. Look at that. Now, I didn't say beat yourself up for a week to tell yourself you're the worst or start this negative, you know, self talk. It's just acknowledging, okay, I was on the highway to this goal and I was going 80 miles an hour and suddenly I'm on this other route and I don't know how I got off. So just acknowledging it, right? Second A is assess, okay. Do I like where I am? Do I want to go back on the highway? Sometimes we set a goal for ourselves and three months down the road or two weeks down the road, we go, you know what? I don't really think that goal is for me, but we feel guilty. We feel like if we quit, we're a quitter and quitters never win. Winners never quit, right? (laughs) Which is the biggest lie out there. Of course. It's okay to quit. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't really like that highway I was on towards that goal. I'm on this mountain pass this is really nice. I like this. Oftentimes, we don't even know those opportunities that are there on that alternative route until we get there. We didn't even know those other opportunities were there. And sometimes we're like, wow, this is not at all what I thought. I think I want to stay on this path or I want to go on this little opportunity over here instead. Or it might be, you know what? I do want to get back on that highway. That goal is still for me. All right. Then we need to get to that third A, which is adjust. Adjust the goal by either changing it altogether and changing that you're now on this mountain pass or, okay, what do I need to to adjust in order to create that time for myself? I need to not find the time, but make the time. What habits do I need to establish? What kind of adjustments do I need to make? And that way you either get back on that highway or you stay on that mountain pass where where you're happy
0: this you you just reminded me of something because it it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show about the word busy and sometimes we have to you know ask ourselves what are we doing with our time and i had to have this honest conversation with myself you know a number of years ago when my children were younger right now they're 21 18 and 14 but you know there was a time when i could i couldn't leave the house because everyone was you know under 12 and and I, I remember saying to myself, I can't do certain things because I'm so busy being a mom. And then I realized, you know, like I'm playing tennis, I'm like watching TV, I'm like reading a book, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, yes. <laughs> I, there, I was doing, you know, things that I enjoyed, I, you know, I'm spending every weekend hanging out with friends. And I realized, huh, if I want these things that I say I can't have because I have small children, that's not necessarily true. You know, so I really need to look at how I'm spending my time and be more honest with myself. But that's hard to do sometimes.
1: It is. It's really hard to do because it it means taking an honest assessment, right? Really taking a good look. And it means taking some of the judgment and the emotions out of it. I think that's really important to do. It's, you know, in meditation, we call it being the observer, like observing your life. And that's what good reflection is. It's being an observer in your life. It's not being in it and feeling the emotions. It's the way I like to do it personally is I say to myself, what would Erica say? Erica is the name of my best friend. And my best friend is not going to talk to me the way that my voice inside my head will talk to me. Erica will say, no, you don't look fat in those pants. They just don't quite fit right. It's not the right cut for you. Right? Yes. Erica will say, you're not a bad mom. Look at all these other things you've done well. So what I do Is I take a good look at how I'm spending my time and I think to myself, what would Erica say to me right now? Because she wouldn't tell me I was terrible. She wouldn't tell me I was awful. She would never say those things. I would. I would say them to me. So if I, I get outside of myself and I take that emotional part of me out and I look at myself as an observer, as my best friend, it helps give me a lot of clarity because I'm not getting caught up in the emotions of being a bad mom, being the worst boss, being whatever it is I'm going to beat myself up about, right? Because we have these stories that we tell ourselves, these stories about what a good wife does, what a good friend does, what a good mom does, all these things that are like a good, a good mom never forgets to pick up her kids. A good mom always has baked cookies when the kids get off the bus, those kinds of stories that we tell ourselves. And it takes those stories off the table clears the shelf a little bit so we can really take a good look at ourselves.
0: I love that. Everyone needs an Erica or everyone needs an Erica voice in their head saying kind things to you. Yes. I- I'm curious. Yes, has, absolutely. Has, has writing this book changed your idea of purpose and productivity, you know, in the process of writing it? Or has, has your sense of your own purpose changed at all as, as you've aged?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think it should change. I think as we, especially as we get older, I hate to use the term older here for goodness sake, but, you <laughs> as know, we get more as, experience. Mature, as we experience. I what as we get more experience, that's the truth. We get more experience. We get more knowledge. You know, I equate it to having a backpack on our back where uh, we're going through life and we're gathering together these experiences and this knowledge and we, these lessons that we learn from the things that don't go well or the failures that we have. And we forget that we have it because it's on our back. You got to take your backpack off. You got to unzip it and unpack it. You're going to be shocked at how much is there, right? It really is amazing. And so for me, when I sat down to write this book, you know, I sat down, I outlined this book. I had a whole writing plan for myself. I mapped it all out beautifully in February of 2020.
0: Yes. And then March
1: of <laughs> 2020 happened. <laughs> and all of a sudden I had two kids at home that I was homeschooling. I had no plans for that, right? I'm homeschooling kids. I'm filling out paperwork for the government, for my business. I'm trying to hold my team together and navigate all these different shifts and everything else that, that were happening in the world. And what was amazing is, the plans I had laid, I had thought that I was going to write a book that was about goal setting, that it was all about goals. And in that very intentional pause that the entire world took, I was watching all the people in my world who were asking questions like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Is this all that there is? Am I happy in my job? Do I like the way I'm living? And it was like, oh, this book is not supposed to be about goals. Goals are the vehicle to get us the purpose. So really diving into that idea of who we want to be. And I think, you know, for me, that has certainly shifted and changed and evolved over time as I've gained more in my own backpack. It's a heavy backpack. You don't even realize you're wearing it half the time. I really want to encourage your listeners to really think about what is in your backpack. Take it out. Take it off. Unzip it. Take a look at it you're going to be amazed at what's in there. Yeah. And you're going to be really proud of yourself for all the things that are in there. That exactly. You, you forgot about.
0: Or some of the things that you need to jettison. That when you said backpack, I was thinking of my 14-year-old's backpack when he brings it home at the end of the school year. I'm like, what is in this backpack? I oh mean- Oh my <laughs> gosh.
1: I can't <laughs> even scary talk about the backpack you know, at the end so of the school year. So there's some stuff in your backpack
0: that's amazing. And there's some stuff it's like, why am I hauling around all this trash? You know, like yeah, time to get rid of it. It's weighing
1: you down. Right. So there's like- And then we wonder why our back hurts Exactly. Well, that's
0: why. There's like good stuff you want to hang on to. And then there's stuff that's like, this has got to go, you know, circular file it. Um, yeah, this book has so many wonderful chapters and prompts. I am, you know, we can't cover them all today. I'm so excited to be uh, diving into this. I'm encouraging uh, our listeners to to buy the books from themselves, you know, shop indie, um, you know, or, or get it anywhere you buy books. But I think it's a really fun thing to be uh, focusing on, during this time of year? Because we we are kind of a little bit coming out of the you know right, two-year mark with the pandemic. Most of us are in midlife. This is the time where we are asking ourselves, like, what do I want? And this book has wonderful, wonderful um, prompts and, and blueprints to share. What is one exercise from it that you use again and again in your own life?
1: I would say there's a uh... There's an activity that I call the pie exercise with where we talk about the myth of the multi-passionate person that we have to stop calling ourselves multi-passionate because everybody is multi-passionate. We all love more than one thing. And if there's definitely one thing that I struggle with and when I'm writing books, a lot of times it's not I'm not an expert because I have it all figured out. I'm not a perfect person. It's because I know these are the struggles that I have or other people that I know have in experience. My biggest struggle is that I have 75 ideas and every one of those ideas has about 32 variations. So there's a lot of ideas. So there's this exercise where we talk about narrowing in that the cost of greatness is commitment, committing, and choosing where you want to focus. So there's an activity where we go through where we talk about which uh what are your powers, you know, what is the impact it's going to create in your life and other people's and then the excitement. And it's super easy to do. I love activities that are really easy for you to, to manage and to be able to do, uh, but it's so insightful. And I feel like it gives me so much clarity when I do it.
0: Fantastic. I cannot wait to do that myself. Okay, we're moving into the speed round uh, close of our show because our our time is beginning to end. And and the speed round is something that I've been doing at the end of each show. I really love it because I could talk to my guests for so much longer than we have time for. And it's just a chance to have a quick, you know, one, two word answer, maybe even a short sentence if you need to complete these different thoughts. So I'm going to start with a few of the prompts from your book, On Purpose. What's one way you stepped out of your comfort zone in the last month?
1: Ooh, in the last month? Gosh, that's a, t- that's well, a tough We'll say two few months.
0: We'll say you've been busy writing books
1: <laughs> in the last I few months. I have been busy writing books. <laughs> um, I would say uh, I've made the decision to close certain parts of my business, things that I was doing in the past. Oh, actually, you know what it is? I know what it is. I've made a decision and I have just made a proclamation that I'm getting off social media.
0: Ooh, okay. That's a big, yeah, that's it's,
1: a, it's pretty big. It's frightening because it's like, people are like, well, how are you going to run your business? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm excited about the fact that I'm going to be challenging myself. Interesting. So, I yeah. love that.
0: Okay. You also say, uh, as one of your prompts, we are filling our calendars, which I could really relate to, but then you ask, are we filling our souls? What's something that fills your soul?
1: Mm, I love spending time outside. Nice. Like going outside, just enjoying the outdoors.
0: Your uh, your first book was "The Joy of Missing Out," which is such a fabulous title. You talk about uh, in that book learning how to say the right no's, how to determine your right yeses. What's something for you now that's always a no?
1: Always a no, or often um, a no, often a no. Yeah. Often a note is when people ask me to vote, I get lots of questions about going on boards and, you know, doing those kinds of things. And I'm like, I have to really want to do it because it's, it's a commitment and I want to give the best me to the fewer boards that I'm on.
0: Great. And so what is something that's always a yes? My family. Totally get that one. Okay, finally, on the idea of choosing to choose, which you really talk about a lot in in the book On Purpose, what's something new you've chosen that your younger self could never have imagined?
1: Oh, gosh, these are really tough questions. Well, most of them are yours. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, gosh, oh, oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) Something I have chosen, I think really choosing to go against the status quo with a lot of things, really choosing to stand on my own two feet, regardless of what other people think. I think that's one of the benefits of the experience we gain along the way is that we get to a point where we're like, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. This is what's important to me. And feeling really good about it. I love
0: it. I love it. We're ending on that note. This has been such a pleasure. I have loved spending time with you today. And I'm really excited about our event at the end of January. Uh, Before we say goodbye, though, how can our listeners find you and your books and learn more about your work?
1: Yeah. So the best place to find me is my website, tanyadalton.com. You can find links to my podcast, The Intentional Advantage there. You can also find links to both of my books, The Joy of Missing Out and On Purpose, both of which, of course, as you've said, are available anywhere books are sold. Uh, So that's the best place, tanyadalton.com. And then of course, to show up for the book club, I would love to connect with you all during uh, the book club that we're going to be doing together at the end of January. That sounds like a lot of fun. I love chatting with people about the book and helping you dive into those concepts into your own life.
0: That was Tanya Dalton on her latest book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. Ready to reclaim your time and better focus on what matters most to you? Join us for the book club January 24th, noon Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Find registration in the show notes on acertainagepod.com. And over on Instagram at A Certain Age Pod. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. All January long, we are focusing on rebooting the systems that support and guide us. Tune in next Monday when sleep doctor and expert on insomnia and women's sleep issues, Dr. Shelby Harris, helps us get our Z's on. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time, and until then, age boldly, beauties.